Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, Mary. Thank you for joining me today here on our podcast. And I'd love to start by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're at in life. Okay. Um, I am 34. I've been married to my husband for about two and a half years. We live in Los Angeles now. Um, We moved here from New York City about two years ago. And um, I'm an artist and designer. um, And I'm pretty much just trying to become a mom (laughs) at this point in my life. Okay. So no, no kids. Um, no kids. Yeah. Living. Okay. And okay. tell me, so we connected via Instagram and you were kind of telling your story and was that your first miscarriage? No, I've had five. Now. You had five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have that written down. Wow. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> talk to me. Usually I ask people about it, but you've, you've experienced more than one. So I'm going to let you kind of take the avenue here if you want to go through chronologically or if you just want to talk about the most recent one. But I'd love to hear, you know, how this has, how this feels for you, you know, the first one versus the fifth one and how that has, you know, how that story has unfolded. Yeah, of course. Um, So the first time we got pregnant, it was my first pregnancy ever. Um, It was very much planned for. We had been trying for a couple months. And we had um, a six-week appointment, and we got to see the heartbeat and hear it and everything. And they were like, everything's great. Baby's measuring ahead. So we were obviously like super excited and confident. And I had a couple of friends who had miscarriages. So I wasn't like naive to that. But – Okay. Once you like hear the heartbeat and they say everything looks great, you kind of like worry like a much, much less that that's going to be your story. Um, So we went back two weeks later and there was very little growth and no more heartbeat. So that was like completely blindsiding because, you know, it was like everything was okay two weeks ago. What, how did this happen? Um, And we were told just, um, it's probably just bad luck. Chromosomal is usually the case. Um, so, you know, we, I had a DNC like that same day, um, we grieved for a long time. We decided to move. That was when we lived back East. Um, so, I mean, that was obviously, I would say that was the hardest one (laughs) up until this current one. Uh, but it was, it was devastating and like nothing would, would ever be the same. Cause we, you know, even in the doctor's office, when we found out I was crying my eyes out and I just was like, when can we try again? Because all I wanted was to be pregnant again and like, like undo it as if that would, you know, even, even change anything. But, um, it was just heart wrenching and I just wanted back what we had lost. So we started trying about six weeks later after everything kind of returned to normal. Um, we ended up moving to California, which was already in our plans, but we just kind of fast tracked it as like a desperate (laughs) change of scenery. Um, so we moved and that was about four months after the miscarriage and I ended up getting pregnant. I found out I was pregnant the day that we settled into our apartment in Los Angeles. Um, so that was kind of perfect. We were like, everything was falling into place the way it was supposed to. Everyone said like, 
the odds are in our favor. A lot of people miscarry their first babies and then go on to have successful pregnancies. So I was fully anticipating that to happen to us. Um, and then uh, within, it was, I guess they call it a chemical pregnancy. I, w I never even went to the doctor before I miscarried. So it was within a week I miscarried at home um, after having positive tests. So, I, you know, and I felt pregnant. So I knew it wasn't in my mind. <laughs> and right. um, yeah. Um, so that one was natural. It was, it was the easiest um, physically because there was no like medical intervention. I hadn't really built up a, a lot of hormones. So it was kind of like, kind of just like a really bad period. And right. then um, I, we saw a doctor because now I was like, what is going on? Like, why did this happen again? So we saw a doctor um, who was going to do a lot of testing on us and she didn't find anything chromosomally like as far as being carriers for anything. Um, and then I got pregnant the very next cycle. So we were like, okay, we are fertile. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is awesome. it. Yeah. yeah. Like we're fertile. This is, this is great. Like we don't have a problem getting pregnant. We're just like maybe the third time's a charm. And then um, we had a, a six week ultrasound again and the baby was measuring behind. And this one was like the most like aggravating miscarriage because the doctor was not very helpful. She wasn't very optimistic. And when you tell a patient like, well, it's measuring behind and the heartbeat is really slow. So I don't know if it's going to be viable. And then oh, you send, yeah. And then send me. Yeah. And then she sent us home for a week. And I'm like, how do you expect me to live the next week? Like norm and not stress out completely because, you know, you're telling me like, you're probably going to have a miscarriage, but well, let's check back next week. It just made me so upset because I didn't understand why she couldn't have just said, okay, there's a heartbeat. Let's see what happens next week. You know, it just felt like why put extra like stress on me? Sounds like um, a glass half empty approach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I wouldn't have known it was slow. Yeah. You know, like and the heart would, it was like five weeks, six days. So I know the heart would have just started beating. So it was just kind of yeah. like, you didn't have to, you didn't have to worry me so much. And I like oh. cried for almost the whole week. Like I just couldn't even, I just wanted to like, go to bed, wake up a week later and go back to the doctor. It was so hard to just, cause then I was just Googling, which is the worst thing you can do, but what oh can you gosh. do? You just want to yes. have control. So I'm like Googling like stories of people who this happened to with successful outcomes. Um, I felt pretty doomed, but like still hoping that it was going to be fine. And then we went back a week later and it was the same story as the first one. Um, it stopped growing before seven weeks and um, there was no heartbeat. So I, our insurance was changing like then literally the next day, that was the last day of the month. Um, we were getting new insurance. So that was like really challenging because I had to just sit with this pregnancy that wasn't ending on its own and wait to see a new doctor at a new hospital. And they, um, uh, like two weeks later they got us in and I was like, I've been pregnant for like three additional weeks than I should have been. Like, it's not viable. You know, I already know there's no heartbeat. So like, Please, please help me and like, let me get on with my life. Cause you know, you still ex experience symptoms and it's just like torture. Um, so I, I literally had to beg the doctor cause they did one ultrasound and they wanted me to keep, they wanted me to like wait two weeks. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, you can't do this to me. Um, and I literally begged to just give me the, the pills and to go home and miscarry. And thankfully they were understanding and they did. Um, they made me go through like a couple ultrasounds like within that day or two and then sent me home with the pills. So I got to like, you know, get on with my life. 
Um, but that was difficult too, because, you know, it was such a stressful couple of weeks. And then I had to go home and just, ha you know, be in pain and like do it alone. I mean, my husband was there, but you know, you're still like, you're in the bathroom you still alone. still feel like, so alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we decided after that to, to just take a break because it was just like, you know, one, two, three, like, like just too much loss in such a short amount of time. It was, it was getting really difficult to manage our emotions and, and, you know, our relationship. So, um, we took a couple months off. We ended up seeing a re reproductive endocrinologist, which okay. has been like a great, like the best step in all of this because she actually was looking for something that was wrong. Whereas every OB that we saw was like, just keep trying this is probably just bad luck. And I'm like, three isn't bad luck. There's oh gotta gosh. be something wrong. So, um, she helped us a lot and she told us like, there's only a couple reasons why this would happen. Um, you know, multiple times. And she went through all of them. We, we X'd off like chromosomal abnormalities. We weren't carriers for anything. Um, uh, and then she did like a, a special ultrasound to see if I had any abnormalities in my uterus, which she was specifically looking for if I had a septum, um, which is basically when you're, when I was a fetus, my uterus didn't develop fully. So I had excess tissue um, down in the middle of my uterus, which was basically not, not a real like uterine wall, but um, tissue that was getting in the way. And if an embryo implanted to it, it wouldn't get enough blood supply and it would right. die, which right. is what they diagnosed me with eventually. So um, I had an ultrasound and an MRI to confirm that. And we were so excited to have a diagnosis, of course, because it's like we felt like there's an answer finally. Yeah, yeah. there's an answer and there's a solution. So like we can we can, you know, get the surgery and then everything is going to be like brand new. Um, so that was in December of last year. And we had scheduled the surgery and I was supposed to be on hormones leading up to it. Um, surgery was scheduled for February. And then we kind of like kind of skipped through the holidays without acknowledging that we went to Las Vegas because it was um, avoiding babies and families and things like that. Um, so uh, we went to Vegas and on we came back um, after Christmas and I was having like a couple of symptoms, but I wasn't really, we hadn't been, we were purposely not trying to get pregnant. So um, I was like, no, my period, my period was a little bit late, but like, I was like, I haven't been tracking my cycle. So this is totally just yeah. whatever. Um, and I found out on January 1st that I was pregnant and that was like, holy, like, okay, we get it. We're fertile. <laughs> Why is this happening? You know, I'm trying. Oh my gosh. Um, and, uh, it was just, just completely unplanned. And I was, I mean, it was the, the one time that I was not happy to see a positive test because, um, you needed a break of course. And surgery. Yeah. And the surgery, and I knew that I was just like, well, and my first thought was like, well, I should terminate because it's just going to, we're going to miscarry. And I just don't want to waste any more time on this. Um, and of course, you know, my doctor was like, let's see how it goes. Cause you know, your septum is small. It, you know, people can have babies with this, with this It's just not is rare. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe this is like a miracle that this happened, you know? Um, Gotta like, maybe positive. this is like, yeah. Every yeah, time you're like, Oh, this is it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I have to believe because it's too hard to just like live in doom. Um, but so yeah, we were just like, okay, this is a miracle. January 1st, maybe 2017 is our year, you know? Um, and we, again, same exact as the first 
and third we saw a strong heartbeat uh, around six weeks and then it didn't make it to seven weeks um so were that was able, rough were you able to see where it was implanted that time did you see no. if it was implanted on the septum so the i had a five-week ultrasound with the surgeon who was going to do the surgery eventually um and he he was like we can't tell but he showed me like where the septum was and where the embryo was and like i'm no doctor but i was like wow it looks like it's not even touching it so i was really confident after that because i'm like okay well maybe because you know we had been in vegas like inhaling secondhand smoke and drinking and like i went to disneyland a couple weeks before like so i'm like maybe like all this weird like riding on roller coasters maybe it just like took a took a left and didn't implant on the septum you know yeah the septum usually exists in like prime implantation territory. Um, so I just thought like uh, maybe my relaxed, not trying, not stressing about it attitude made the embryo like maybe do something different, which is, I don't know, me just trying to like reach for hope. But um, it looked like it wasn't. And then when it, when it died, um, the doctor was like, even even if it wasn't, like if it's getting most of its blood supply from that area, it's not going to make it. So it's kind of like just really, it's just, uh, there's just such a reduced amount of blood supply in the uterus when, when a septum exists um, that it's, I, I've heard stories of people who had babies with the condition, but usually they're born premature, um, which is another like terrifying ordeal. Right. Um, and pretty rare to happen. So we lost it. And it, it was, I guess it was the easiest one because it was kind of expected, even though it was just, a, I mean, it was heartbreaking because you, we actually, we had all this hope after we saw a good ultrasound and then thinking like, this is a miracle that it wasn't planned. It must mean something, you know, trying to look for like a deeper meaning and then having it all kind of come crashing down again. Um, so it was like easier in a way that we knew what to expect, but, you know, also like, kind of asking like why is this happening you know we can't have surgery in february now because i just miscarried you know two weeks before the scheduled surgery um and then uh they made me wait till may which was just it was just so hard because oh, i was that's like, a long ready. time yeah yeah so i finally had the surgery in may and everything was perfect we had to wait three months after that to try which again was like Ugh. like why <laughs> you know yeah. I just felt like I was yeah. I spent the majority of the past year either pregnant or like waiting to get pregnant you know Ugh, I hear um, you on that one yeah yeah so um everything was great and we I got pregnant the second cycle after being you know given the green light to keep to try again after the surgery and this one was like pregnancy number five, we were totally like, this is a brand new, this is like a normal uterus, like first pregnancy, you know? Absolutely. So it, fe it felt like everything was brand new, like clean slate from, from our history. Um, we still saw our reproductive endocrinologist cause she was amazing and she was going to keep an eye on us, um, closely like weekly ultrasounds, which I really appreciated because I was like, I mean, I was a basket case, like you know, having to, I know some like standard procedures, sometimes you get one at eight weeks and then one at like 20 weeks or something ridiculous like that. And I'm just like, I need like close monitoring because I always feel like something's wrong. Um, so she, we made it further than we'd ever made it. We graduated from her, her office at like eight weeks, um, which we'd never even made it past seven weeks. So it was like, I mean, oh, wow. Yeah, when we saw the heartbeat and heard it. Um, and when weeks, was, was this? 
this was just, let's see, I got my positive test at the first week of September. So this, I mean, I just miscarried a week and a half ago. Okay. So, so this um, was like beginning of November. You're graduating yeah. from her clinic. Okay. Right. Um, actually, it was like, I guess the end of October, we graduated from her hand, like her office. And then, okay. you know, I remember that ultrasound um, at eight weeks when we had a heartbeat and we'd never made it that far. And I was just burst into tears on the ultrasound table <laughs> and everyone in the room was so excited, you know, like the doctor and the nurse and my husband, because it was like, okay, this is it. Like, this is really happening. Like we're really going to get our baby because, you know, everything is taken care of. We had a solution. Um, and it was like, it was like a happy celebration, you know, and that was the last time I saw her. And then I went to a regular OB, um, a week later and everything was fine still. And then we had our, that was at nine weeks. Um, So everything was good at nine weeks. And then we had our 12 week scan. Um, And, you know, they do early, now they do early blood tests to check for chromosomal abnormalities. And I wanted that as soon as possible because I wanted to be prepared. Like if something goes wrong with the 12 week ultrasound, at least I'll know if the, if the blood test says there's something wrong with the baby, I'll be prepared for it. And if it says that everything's great with the baby, then I'll be calm, which was hard for me. I had high blood pressure at the beginning of every appointment because I was so, I was freaking out all the time, you know, yeah. um, they would check my blood pressure and it would be high. And then after the ultrasound when everything was good, it would be totally normal again. It was just like <laughs> right. really messing with me. But yeah, so, um, the, the blood test came back normal. We had a normal baby. I was so optimistic. And then we went in for the 12 week ultrasound, um, to check for like down syndrome, which already came back negative on the test. And, um, it was just, uh, the worst experience because, you know, the ultrasound tech can't tell you anything. Like, Oh, they it's just, the worst. And they get silent and you're yeah, like, and they leave the just room tell me? Oh, I and know. Like, oh. and I saw her look for the heartbeat and I saw that nothing oh, popped no. up and I was like, I know what's happening already. And she can't <sighs> tell us legally. I wasn't going to ask her to, but in my head, I was like, just leave the room and don't come back until someone can talk to us because she just kept saying, I just think it's a little early. Let me go get the doctor. And we're like, okay, I know what that means. Cause I know yeah. what this is supposed to go like, you know, I know, yeah. I, have, I know you're, she said, when we sat down, she's like, okay, I'm going to do my thing and then I'll show you the baby. And when she didn't show us the baby, it was like, well, clearly something's not right. So she made us wait for like 20 minutes to get a doctor. And we we're just sitting there like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening again. You know, um, like, unbelievable at 12 weeks you know we were ready we had told all of our family we were ready to announce like publicly within within a week or two and I it was like I mean this one for sure I know that the first and the last because this one was supposed to make it you know the the first four were kind of like okay we know something's up but um this one was like the most heartbreaking and I I remember my reaction was like I, I, after the first miscarriage, I really was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I want to talk about it all the time because I couldn't believe that it happened. Like it was just like, um, I need to talk about my pain. I went to therapy and I wanted to talk about it with all my friends, like, like anyone who, who would listen to me because I just couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe that no one talked about this enough, you know? So, um, but with this one, I just wanted to be shut in and I just asked everyone to like, leave me alone and, let me deal because this was like a, a new level of pain that I would have never imagined happening to us. So um, it's been like a whirlwind of grief, but um, 
I'm starting to, I mean, it's been a week and a half. And if I talked to you last week, I wouldn't have been able to breathe. Like it was just like in the oh. beginning, you know, it's so painful. I couldn't leave the bed. And, um, and now it's like, I'm sort of, sort of starting to feel like, okay, I can, I can go out and face the world again, I guess, you know, it's, it's difficult, but, um, when you're, when you're in it, like in the very beginning, it just feels like you can't even survive. Um, so I'm, I'm just getting there now. Um, not even two weeks later getting to that point. And, you know, it's, it's harder with the holidays. And I said this the other day that I feel like any, we're going to, I know we're going to take a little bit of time to ourselves before we try again, but I definitely don't want to plan any pregnancy before the holidays ever again, because having to go through this and then having to go through the holidays, which even if we we're going to have some family here, but even if we weren't, you know, being in stores, being out when there's, you know, celebration and cheer and decoration is just like gut wrenching. Um, so to have like fresh grief when that's going on, like that time of year is like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll pass. Oh, brutal. I know. I, I always had the sensation of how is the world still turning? Like my right. world is, is empty and stopped how I look out my window. I'm like, how are, how are there still people walking? This is all supposed to be frozen. I'm frozen. I'm stuck. Totally. I totally, I'll look on social media and I'm like, how can you be just talking about this dumb, like, how can you just be going on with your lives? Like (laughs) it's over. Like I felt like I was dying, you know, or like part of my world died off. And I'm like, how, how can people just like continue? And, and like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to even like wrap my mind around it that like the world goes on. And then, you know, you go a couple months later and you're like, okay, life goes on. Like I'm not dead, you know, but nothing is ever the same. It's not normal ever again. No. And like getting through that initial part of it where you're like, feel like you can't survive is like, is just the hardest part. And I feel like most people don't get it. They don't get it. And when you've had subsequent miscarriages, for me, that was one of the hardest parts knowing, okay, now I know I miscarried and this is horrible, but the emotions and the physical pain to come are a whole nother thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's not linear either. Like no. I, I can have a, a day, like a couple days after my miscarriage, I can feel like completely normal and it's such a weird feeling, but you're like, whatever, I'll embrace it because I know it's not going to last for very long. And then the next day you can't get out of bed and it's just like, Yep. There's no, there's no way to predict what you're going to feel like from one minute to the next. So, um, and people don't get that. I think people expect you to start to feel normal as like more time goes on, which is true, but you still have moments of like, where you just, you can't breathe. They're going to, you know, I burst into tears in public all the time and I don't even care because I'm just like, (laughs) this is how it is. Like, yeah, I don't care if I make you uncomfortable. Like this is my grief. So I'm just going to like live it and, you know, get through it until I feel normal. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, a week and a half out, you're, you're strong. It's not what you want to hear. You don't want to hear that you're pregnant, not that you're strong. I know that. I've been there. Um, But talk to me a little bit about how your partner is doing through all of this. Um, He's been great. I mean, I feel like, I don't know how... I think most men try to be strong for their partners. Mm-hmm. I know um, from what I know of like friends, their partners, like the, the man usually tries to be the strong one. I mean, the, the woman is going through physical and emotional pain 
Um, and I know it's, it's hard for like my husband to see me hurting and not be able to do anything. And except, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's so strong. He kind of jumps into work. Like his thing is like, let me just be distracted. Um, but he takes such good care of me that after a while I'm like, I need to, you know, they need to be taken care of also. Um, so I, we've like, I feel like we're like soldiers at this point. Like we've been through it. We know the, how it goes. Like at first, um, I was, you know, I needed him so much and he took really good care of me each time, but definitely I've been able to get on my feet a little bit faster with each one, um, to take care of him because I remember the first time, the first baby we lost, he would, um, I, and I talked about it in therapy. I was like, he isn't like, grieving the same way that I'm grieving like it feels weird like do you you know does he feel the same level of pain that I feel you know and my therapist was like and she had had a miscarriage which helped a lot but she was like you know men grieve differently and if he's like playing video games let him play because that's his escape it doesn't mean he doesn't care it just means like that's what he needs to do to kind of feel like he's getting back to himself um so that's been kind of like learning how the other person grieves has been a journey for us. <laughs> um, but one big thing for him that he, he does, like he'll, it's important for him to be able to make me laugh, which is almost infuriating Aww, because I'm like, I right? don't want to, yes. <laughs> Leave me alone. but he's like, but he does. It's like, he does it in such a way, like after the, the fourth miscarriage, which was like kind of the easy one. Cause we saw it coming on the way home, I was just like weeping to myself in the passenger seat. And he was like, um, do you want to go to Starbucks? I'll let you order anything off the menu. And I just like oh my burst out laughing because it was so like <laughs> sweet and just like stupid and goofy. But I was like, damn you, you know, and it just makes him feel good to be able to like make me laugh even for two seconds. And him um, being able to, you know, when he was coming in the room um, last week to check on me, he's like, can I, uh, can I get you anything? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. He's like, no, you have to like, give me something to, to do. Like, give me something to do. So I feel like I'm taking care of you, you know? So, uh, he's been just like wonderful. Um, but I also acknowledge that like, you know, he goes, he's, he has a hard time too. And I, and it's important for me to like, you know, be like kind of lean into it with him and, and take care of him just as much as he takes care of me because I didn't, I didn't realize that right away with the first one. I was like, kind of like, this is happening. I mean, this is happening to us, but it's happening. It felt more like it was happening to me. Um, and that's not really the case. You know, it's both of you go through it and he feels just as bad on father's day as I do on mother's day, you know? Um, so it's definitely made us stronger and I'm thankful for that, but I wish we didn't have to be tested so much, <laughs> you know, because it's like, we, it does sometimes manifest in, uh, you know, feeling disconnected from each other. Um, for the most part, we're stronger, but there's times when I know that our grief and our pain, like kind of puts a roadblock in between us because we're just like, we're mad, you know, not at each other. We're just mad at this, that this has all happened. And, um, we have to sometimes remind ourselves that like, you know, we're in this together. So we just have to like love each other and, and we'll get through it. But it sucks yeah. to be tested. <laughs> yeah, it sucks so bad, but it's really beautiful. The back and forth that you guys have established as crappy as it is. It yeah. that really is beautiful. So I 
do want to take a moment if you're okay with it. So you have had a DNC, you've had medical management with the pills, and you've actually had expectant miscarriage, which is just your body takes care of it. Can you do a quick comparison? Because women are always worrying or wondering um, just in your experience. It's funny. Um, Well, it's not funny. (laughs) It's the wrong thing to say, but um, they've all been so different. Even I've had three DNCs, but they've all been so, so different. The first one was the worst. And I thought like, why is this the way that they do things? It was so painful. You know, they, um, I wasn't, I know a lot of women go under to um, to have that done, but I've never, I've been awake and I had local anesthesia. um, And that time it was very fast. Like they kind of numbed everything and then they just went right in for it. And I, and I mean, I thought that's how it was, you know, that's how they did it. That's, it was fine. It was like very quick, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, It was painful. It just felt like horrible period cramps, like just the worst cramps, but also tolerable um, because you're on painkillers. And then it's, you know, it's really fast, thankfully, um, but emotionally traumatizing as well, because you literally have like two nurses and a doctor, like, you know, kind of in there, you know, ruining your life <laughs> feels like. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, the the natural obviously was the easiest because that one was so early. I don't know how it would, I can't speak to like a later miscarriage happening naturally, but mine was, was easy, just was a really bad period. And then um, the pain, the, the pills, um, it actually was better than I expected it to be. Um, because it, it all happened overnight and it was over for the most part, it was over by the morning time. So I took the, you know, I inserted the pills at night. I took painkillers. I had a heating pad. I had my iPad with Netflix ready to go in the bathroom. (laughs) And, um, I just, I, you know, what the doctor told me before, um, sending me home with the pills was that whatever you think is a lot of blood is going to be way more than, than that. (laughs) So that was mentally like good preparation, because it was, it was literally, I was just like gushing blood into the toilet. Um, and the painkillers helped. I felt cramps, but it was, it was just like, um, you know, it was just like a really bad, really long period that was just happening all at once. Um, and, um, and it was pretty much over. I mean, I, I definitely bled like a period for a good week and it was worse if I had to be on my feet a lot. Um, so that was, it it helped to, to be able to rest. Um, and then I had two more DNCs, and those were actually amazingly easy. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know what the difference was, uh, what the first doctor did or didn't do, but the last two, I barely felt anything. It was, you know, it was like normal period cramps, nothing like heavier than than average. And um, other than feeling the speculum um, and crying <laughs> because it sucks what you're going through, like it was so, it was a breeze, like 15 minutes, it was over. I barely felt anything. Um, except mild cramping at the end, they gave me Valium, which I really appreciated because then I could just kind of like, you know, relax like fully. Um, but yeah, the this last one too, they they left the numbing medication on for like 30 minutes, which I was getting annoyed because I was laying in there alone. Like the lights even shut off because there was no movement. <laughs> and oh I was my like, gosh. is anyone going to come do this for me? Like, this is really frustrating. Like, stop keep, like, I want to go home. I want to you know, I know I was gonna have to walk through the stupid waiting room full of pregnant women. Yeah. Like, let's get on with this and send me on my way. Um, but they left it on for a long time. And there was a reason because I didn't feel a thing. 
And it was like, okay, well, this is how it should always be. So I was grateful for that because that one was just obviously the most painful emotionally um, and the least painful physically. So um, I was grateful. But yeah, I mean, I don't know why each one has been so different, I guess, different doctors, but um, the DNC has been the fastest as far as like the symptoms are gone within days. You know, it's the worst thing is not being pregnant and still having like food aversions and stuff when you just are oh like, my gosh, it's awful. I want to eat my feelings and I can't because I'm sick. Um, so yeah, that's been like the fastest way. Um, but I know that, you know, there's risks that come with it and the pills definitely are less risky, but um, not as, you know, quick. <laughs> so I would say, you know, both have their benefits and downsides really. Yeah. Depends on the situation. With this yeah. last pregnancy, did you have quite a bit of morning sickness or all day sickness? I had evening sickness. I had, okay. well, I would wake up um, in the middle of the night usually, like like 3 a.m. or so, and be like so nauseous. I could, like felt like the room was spinning. Um, and then I would go back to sleep and it would, I would be pretty okay in the morning. I had to like lay in bed for 30 minutes before it would kind of die down. But then I was fine for the most, most of the day. And then I had really intense evening um, nausea, like not even, I didn't puke, but I was like, it was so nauseous. I barely could eat. Um, and I had like strong food aversion. So that was hard because I wanted to eat like good food. And I was like, I can't finish my meal. And this is so new to me. Um, but yeah, it was rough because I thought, you know, everyone says like, Oh, more, you know, more symptoms is like a good sign, but it's all, it's all like, there's no, there's no signs to look out for, you know? No, it's all relative. And the hardest part is you can Google and find anything to make you feel yeah. better or make you feel terrible. And exactly. Like, oh my gosh. Ugh. Exactly. So, there's, yeah. There's people with no symptoms who have perfect pregnancies and there's people with morning sickness who never had an yeah. embryo develop. It's like, it's nuts. It's crazy. So this happens. I mean, women miscarry, you know, something like 1500 to 1700 a day in the United States. So with your unfortunate, but really wonderful wisdom, can you share just a piece, you know, here's, here's the golden nugget that is the most helpful thing if you are going through this? Yeah, I've learned that leaning into my grief was the most beneficial because um, I felt like I just went going back out into the real world, like having to go back to work and stuff. You try to like put on a brave face and push everything down to the bottom. And it's not, it's just helps more to just like, if you're feeling whatever sucky part stage of grief you're going through, like don't, you know, don't push it down. Don't ignore it. Just like lean into it and feel it deeply. And then, you know, for as long as you need to, and then release it. Um, it's like a fine balance to, um, grieve as hard as you need to and you want to because it feels so good um but also not letting it consume you because you know you want to do your baby justice by grieving for them <laughs> as hard as you need to but um it's hard not to let it consume you and it's important to to um focus on your healing as much as you focus on grieving and keep so moving yeah and keep moving yeah exactly yeah and healing like you know emotionally and physically whatever you need to heal is what you should be doing. Even if it's like skipping baby showers or baby birthdays or family events, like be unapologetic about, you know, protecting yourself and, and healing. Yeah. And taking care of yourself. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. I know that it's still pretty raw, so I really appreciate you and of course. taking that thank time you. today. So, Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you.